information provided on this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. All information, content, and materials available on this podcast are for entertainment purposes only. The views and opinions expressed are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Cultiva Law. Now, without further ado, here are your exquisite esquires, Mio Asami and Fabiola Jimenez. What's up, squad? <laughs> You're back with Mio and Fabi for today's episode where we're going to be talking about, well, you know. It's a whopper. Wh- it is a this, whopper. It's a big episode. It's going to be big. It's a large topic. And unfortunately, Lots. it's not like Burger King where you yeah. can have it yeah. the way you want it. Is that how the saying goes? No. <laughs> Have it your way. Yeah, no, yeah, let's have it your way. Yeah, have it your way. We're going to have it your way in the real world, but not really. But we're going to talk about (laughs) ways to make this shit work. Um, So we're going to be talking about social equity today, which is... Boom, boom, boom. It's it's a big-ass topic. Yeah. Y'all know why. For those that don't know why, it's... Well, you'll find out. You'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't know, well, not If you don't know what social equity is and the programs as it relates to cannabis right now, you will know. By the end of this podcast. So, um, being a podcast, you obviously don't know what we look like, but we also have a guest today by the name of Ken. Yes, by the name of Ken. He is one of our newest associates at Cultiva. Um, he is well versed, well versed in the area of tax. Ken, please say hello to our lovely audience. Hello, audience. I'm happy to be here. It was a privilege and an honor. And we're super happy to have Ken. Yes. Yeah, especially as it relates to this topic. Right. Um, And so, like I mentioned, you don't know what we look like because we're on a podcast. But let me just tell you a little bit. I'm Mexicana. And I am Asian American, more specifically Japanese. And Ken? I am black. (laughs) <laughs> plain and simple that's plain what simple. it is and there it is and this it's is who real. we are so we're a very diverse team at Cultiva and obviously a very diverse team here within this show but you know this is going to be some of a heavy topic but you know yeah. we want to just talk about it and with that said our weekly word is disenfranchised which is real fucking real in this industry so this episode is going to be split into two a two-parter it's a two-parter um so you guys are going to be with us for our usual 20 minute seg and then we're going to do the other half another 20 minutes we can really give this topic a, a little the bit more justice that, yeah, the time that it deserves for sure. usually you know we got four points in 20 minutes but we're going to do four points in 40 minutes so that's yeah. right if you don't like it please stay i like you but i want you to like, listen how's everyone doing just you, you good you might need some water. You might want to chill for a little bit and listen to this one. Because, again, like we said, it's a, it's it's a, a big topic. One. It's a heavy one. It's a big topic. So, kind of going over a little bit, obviously, you know, a lot of people don't realize everyone is blinded by the green rush of what is the cannabis industry, right? Everyone's like, yo, 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 we're going to make a bunch of fucking money. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then you start to realize, like, oh, shit, who are the people that have all this fucking money? Well, well they also, I mean, like, we should also start, like, a lot of people think that, like, once cannabis became legalized, it's like, you know what, everyone that was dealing on the corner is now going to own a shop and it's all going to be grand and, you know, we're all going to have right. the, the opportunity right. to, you know, be a part of this industry, right. the regulated industry. But, 
is not the real situation. Yeah, which is which is awful because there's still so many people incarcerated, you know, for selling dime bags. It's just the most wildest scenario to be in because in what we do on the business side, you know, we're dealing with multi-million dollar deals on a daily basis and our clients are like massive companies and you're thinking, you know, how is this person pulling in, you know, a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars in sales a month? And yet, you know, my cousin was in jail for seven years for selling a dime bag, right? So you start you start to kind of think about this and and it's really upsetting when when you really comes down to it. It's a strange industry to navigate. It is very yeah, and it's and at the end of the day it really comes down to being a a business, right? So if you're business savvy, you're gonna be successful. To be honest with you, you can understand that, you know, you have to form a business. You have to understand that you have to pay taxes. You have to understand a lot of logistics um, and a lot of real world knowledge about business that not everybody has had the luxury to be privy to. And so especially within cannabis where it's mm -hmm. I mean, mean, you know, every state is different. Obviously, y'all know I'm the California attorney, so I know the California market and they make it real fucking expensive to get into this industry. Right. Financing is like the biggest barrier to entry of this industry, 100%. which is ridiculous. Yeah. But it's what it is. At the end of the day, we're a capitalistic society, unfortunately. Yeah. That's a so, different topic on but, my end. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, but to be honest with you, you know, as things have gone on and as we're continuing to move forward in this industry as it matures and we're slowly chipping away at that stigma and as you can tell with these past elections over the past few months, you know, there's been a lot of states that have legalized marijuana and, you know, states that you would never have thought are changing their tune, not only from a political standpoint, but basically like a lot of other standpoints too, right? You know, states that were notoriously Republican all of a sudden are Democratic and it's just wild. And so I think that we're going to see a lot of change in this industry as time comes about, but nonetheless, is this real change, right? Like, is this real change? Are people creating these quote-unquote social equity programs just to say they created a social equity program? Kind of, yeah. Y'all need to get your shit together. On the plus side, I can't help but say I feel good or positive that at least that word is being thrown around. Optimistic. Yeah, I'm optimistic. You know, having having that word thrown around because it implies that there's going to be some sort of Efforts. There's efforts it's, to do this. We gotta start somewhere. It's more. It's at least the acknowledgement of the problem is there. Is there? Is what is literally the first step. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, having having three different ethnic backgrounds in this group, you know, I just want to kind of start chipping away at that conversation a little bit. Ken, we're gonna start off with you as an African American. You know, do, tell me tell me a little bit of how you've seen cannabis during your lifetime what you're wanting to see it moving forward, you know, like, let, let me know what your stance is as an African-American in the United States of America and, and what the cannabis What does cannabis mean to you? <laughs> Again, a loaded question, right? Yeah, that is a loaded question. I think that, um, you know, I'm not as uh, optimistic as you two seem about it. Born and raised in the South. And so with that being said, the South is kind of in last place when it comes to legalization of cannabis. Sure. And yeah. so because of that, it's really affecting the businesses and the people there that want to get into the industry because, you know, it's a race. And those yeah. people in those states mm-hmm. and that legalize it first, they're, they got that head start. They got that little jump. 
And so um, when you look at the demographics of those states, they're pretty low when it comes to the black population. Sure, sure, yeah, for sure. So in that effect, like, I don't think it's a coincidence that these were some of the first states to legalize it. I don't think Georgia would have been the first. Um, <laughs> you know, I think Georgia would have been the first for a lot of things. California attempted to try to be the first, but they weren't for whatever reason. And they so, were medicinal, but not the recreational side. Right, yeah. right. And so I think that when it comes to the legalization and how America looks at it, you know, they're okay with white states legalizing it first and kind of testing the water. Shit, I never thought about it that I way. don't disagree. That's, that's I never a thought really about good point. That's a really yeah. good point. Yeah. 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 I don't want to like get into the really the nitty gritty of really what why that is, but if you can kind of expand mm-hmm. <laughs> on why you think that is. Just for our listeners, maybe because you know some people might not know. Um, I mean, we're, we're in a bubble. I mean, I want you to know what it's like. Yeah. Like Seattle proper, Pacific Northwest is in a bubble, and until you leave that bubble and you go out and you're like, "Damn, in Alabama, y'all can really marry your sister." <laughs> Never would have thought about it. Like, but also, like, I'm... but also, it's because so I say that because this industry brings in a lot of fucking clueless white ladies who are like, oh my gosh, I love CBD. They're super hippie. Good God, yes. CBD and everything. But they're clueless white women, middle-aged white women who don't know anything about the history of Mm -hmm. what the prohibition has done. So, again, that's why I expand. I just think it'd be good to expand on that. Yeah, I guess, guess, you know, I'm kind of like tapping into just the the history of, of why we have the prohibition on cannabis and just how it started from the, the reefer madness sure, and, sure. and the fear of just blacks and black men in particular getting high on the drug and because some people might even think that you know the extent of why the prohibition started was fucking like pineapple express you see in the beginning they were testing it bill Hader smokes it and then he goes wonky and then Amen. Sorry to jump in. This is Chris, by the way. Hey, guys. Jazz hey, music. Jeff. Remember the jazz music? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what this like, was that, all about. That might be why people think if there's the provision. You just have the wrong strain. No, no. Like, no 100%. Like, this was 1,000% based in racial grounding. Whenever you have people on the Senate floor speaking and, in, and saying the exact words of it makes black men smoke it and think they're as good as white men. It makes... You know, it makes them believe that there's, you know, that they can walk on the same side of the street. These are actual, like, I mean, I'm I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the quotes in front of me, but these are actual quotes that were said on our Senate floor. Mm -hmm. That is fucking insane to me in this Mm -hmm. day and age. But it was commonplace back then. So absolutely. Yeah, we're amazing everything man at Cultiva. And he is our production guru on our back end, so... I'm the non-lawyer with lots of opinions. Um, and a lot of <laughs> info, man. But also, I mean, if you heard our hemp podcast... Total THC. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, sorry, Ken. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, yeah it's... 100%. No, please, please. No, I, I, you know, you, you, had, you said it on point, and I mean, just... Essentially, just throughout time, the war on drugs has been really tough on black men in particular. Mm-hmm. And so... Because of that, it has really put a hindrance on us. And not only that, just a stigma that we as Blacks are struggling to wipe off on our own selves. And, exactly. and when you look, and even in still, I've been trying to get into the cannabis party for seven, eight years now. And in it, and just family and friends 
the everybody is a hands-off approach. It's like, oh, that sounds nice, that sounds great, but I don't want no part of associating my black skin with that green plant mm-hmm. because of just the stigma and how it's been kind of, uh, for lack of a better phrase, been beat into us, mm-hmm. that stigma. Yeah, that's just kind of just a little bit of points of it. And, and so when I look at, when they're talking about social equity, I just find it laughable because you're asking capitalism to play nice. That's right. And it doesn't. So before we dive more deep into that, <laughs> and how the capitalism, we kind of want to go around the the different uh, backgrounds that we all have. Bobby, I mean, you want to kind of expand on sure. the Hispanic sure, community sure, sure. and their history with cannabis? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I have to say that we share the same type of treatment when it comes to, you know, our Hispanic men as well. You know, you have a little bit of color in your skin and all of a sudden you are a danger to society. All of a sudden, you know, this is like there's all these stigmas that are just inherent in our culture and this American culture. And it's really hard. I mean, as as a family of immigrants, you know, my parents born in Mexico. I still have plenty of family in Mexico for me being in the cannabis industry and being just a lawyer, it actually took my family a little bit of convincing as well, because the last thing that they wanted me to do is, you know, be some narco princess somewhere. You know, I don't, don't get it twisted. I'm pretty fucking gangster still, but my parents were so like nervous about me, like smoking weed all day, every day, like at the office. I'm like, you know, I'm a lawyer, right? Like I just help my clients sell their shit, but I have to be sober as I'm working. I there's just no, like there's no way around that. Yeah. Right? And you know what is the big fear about it? It's like, well, we're just afraid that you're gonna be a pothead and you're just gonna lose everything you've ever worked for. I'm like, well, first off, weed isn't like heroin or meth, so let's just get this straight. They're like, well, for us, it's been all grouped into this thing, right? Into this, this is all the drugs that are bad for you, mm-hmm. and as a family of immigrants, I mean, you are so afraid of even speeding because a speeding ticket or being pulled over can lead to you being deported, you know? And so you have this innate fear of any sort of running into any sort of issues with the law. So it's the same thing as, you know, marijuana was used as a way to keep Hispanic men in jail and to be quite honest with you and I don't think a lot of people know this but actually Mexico had banned marijuana in like a number of different states before America did and so there was there were conversations had in Mexico already where weed was deemed a lower class drug you know where it's like oh, only poor people only farmers only people in jail smoked weed and so it was very classist somehow some way that narrative moved up the chains into america and that narrative was discussed at the congress level to push and say you know what like weed makes all all the mexicans or all our spanish-speaking people fucking crazy i wish you guys can see what happens to them i'm like no yeah yeah yeah, i was like no it's that's not really (laughs) like this is that's what like that's so that's such a general statement that like a cigarette is gonna make someone lose their fucking mind well granted if it was a meth cigarette (laughs) that is a very different topic 
But that's the thing. It's like someone someone heard a little tidbit of Mexico banning marijuana here and there for whatever reason, grabbed that and just ran with it. And it was like, this is this is exactly what I need. Do you guys know marijuana grows like only in Mexico? And if we allow it here. where it was called marijuana? Isn't that where it got its name? Is this from, you know, kind of that beginning of, you know, it came yeah. from below. It, yeah, it came below. Yeah. Infecting all of us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 100%. And so... But again, it, was, it wasn't it was that big of a deal till America made it that big of a deal. And then Mexico being like, ah, fuck it, all right, cool, we're just going to roll with this. And hence the cartels. Um, so the same thing, it was used as a tool to suppress and, and discriminate against Latinos in general. Anybody that spoke Spanish was deemed to be susceptible to smoking weed in some way, shape, or way form. It's been a hard stigma to get over. Even me as a professional woman, as a Mexicana in this industry, even I have to deal with it on a day-to-day basis with family and friends that they're like, oh, I mean, they really do think I smoke weed all the time, every day, all day long <laughs> in this industry, which isn't true. <laughs> and, but but it's been so ingrained um, into our very own culture because of America instilling this fear that you even run a, a slight amount of getting in trouble with the law and all of a sudden you are like the worst of the worst and you're in jail yeah. for 30 days for, you know, having Mr. Court date on a speeding ticket. You know, it's just this wild, very like snowball effect of coming from an immigrant background and what cannabis actually means to the Latino community. So um, we share the the same struggles as our African-American brothers and sisters in this. And it's tough, but... To be honest with you, and I think a topic that people don't really kind of talk about is actually what Asian Americans um, also (laughs) deal with and the stigma when it comes to drug use or quote unquote drug use. So Mia, do you want to kind of share with the audience like what that is? Yeah. I mean, I could, Asians are super hard to talk about because there's two different factions, right? There's Asian Americans and then there's Asian immigrants, like Asian Asians. You grew up in Asia, and then you came over, and you immigrated, or immigrated, whichever. So it's really strange to be within the Asian American community. I identify both as an Asian American and as an Asian Asian, um, both by blood, both by ancestry, both by citizenship. So it's really, um, I I feel like I kind of have a, a, a different opinion or a different perspective than what other Asian Americans might think. But like... You know, back in the day, like Chinese Americans or Chinese immigrants came to America in the 1800s, you know, building the railroads or building whatever the fuck, basically building the American society, like, you know, along with everybody else. And there was a lot of opium going around, different kind of drug, obviously, but it's a lot of drug use. um, And that's really what was used to demonize the Asian community back then was the opium crisis or really like yellow peril is like oh my god these chinese people are all smoking opium and they're gonna um infect the society and um that was what was used to demonize asians back then granted we live in a very very different society now where asians to piggyback off of the general race conversation when it comes to asians is that we are the model minority we are used by the white community to say look if these pe- people of color can do it, why can't y'all do it? And they point to the blacks and they point to the Hispanics and they're like, why can't you do what the Asians do? And so we're used in that sense, right? I mean, that's literally what happens. That's, that's what yeah. it is to be a model minority. We benefit off of rights that were given to us by white people. But, you know, 
No one's really talking about that. <laughs> so, again, I can talk about this for like three hours. And <laughs> and so like we live in a in a weird in a in a we especially Asian Americans growing up with immigrant parents where um you know, we're known stereotypically to be grown up in a very strict household. We can't go out. We can't do this and that and everything. Like everything has to do, you have to do exactly what your parents say and blah, blah, blah. And yet at the same time, I've seen, you know, very many Asian American friends who grew up with very strict parents like that. I see them do coke in the bathroom at school. So it's like, it's, (laughs) we live in this really weird dichotomous, (laughs) it's like we live in this weird dichotomous area where it's like, yeah, we are stereotypically the goody two-shoes, but at the same time, I see y'all doing coke all the time and not getting caught for any of this and not really suffering any any of the consequences that Hispanics and Black people suffer. So it's, you know, I'm gonna, it's I'm, weird. Well, I'm going to also say something, and it's probably not a, right for me to say, <laughs> which is, but, you know, I also think it has a lot to do with smells, right? And so cocaine is very clean. Well, I mean, in theory, I'm, I don't know what cocaine smells like. It okay. smells great. <laughs> I don't know what it smells like, y'all. <laughs> All right, but I think it has a smell. But it's but, <laughs> but it's not stinky. It doesn't it's permeate. It's not stinky. Right, and, right. and that's kind of fucked up to say, right? But when you start thinking about, like, when you're discriminating against people, it's like, okay, um, well, like, Mexicans smell like fucking beans and rice and salsa, which smells great. Um, <laughs> or, like, you know, when people when people are discriminated against people from India, they're like, oh, hey, you know, this person smells curry. like curry, you yeah. know, and that's not, those aren't true, but I feel like even the smell of marijuana, the, the essence of what is marijuana triggers people's reactions and, oh, and stigmas. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's the minorities around here. Yeah. It's just so <laughs> wild because when you think about Coke, it's just like, oh shit, Coke doesn't really, well, it I'm shouldn't smell like, like anything unless you do it right. I'm pretty, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure statistically also white people do more Coke than anybody else. So mm-hmm. yeah. that's right. Saying. Right. But at least, but it's a clean, <laughs> quote unquote, they just got caught for it. Yeah. It's like, it's a quote unquote clean drug, right? Like yeah. you can do it in the, in the bathroom stall. You can wipe your fucking face and you can walk <laughs> down and be like, yo, I mean, obviously from other signs of you doing Coke. You can walk scot free, but when yeah. you're doing weed, I mean that shit can get a little sticky. If you get the good stuff, you get a little sticky. Icky. You gotta roll. It's a whole process, you know. And then it smells because you're smoking it. And so I think that's also, I mean, smell is a real trigger for a lot of people. And so I think that's also part of the stigma is that it's not as easily hidden or as clean as some of these other more fucking fucked up toxic um, drugs that are out there. Um, so yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's kind of the same thing I consider it like with pills, right? Like yeah. I'm only like rich white ladies out in like the middle yeah. of Mercer Island. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shout out the rich area of Seattle. Oh, no. But you think about the, you can think about <laughs> the pills, right? Like it's just like it's also it's not it's a fucking problem because that is that is like yeah. high end opium bullshit happening. Oh, yeah. But it's clean, right? It's yeah. a powder. They crush them in their fucking smoothie in the morning. And they just go about their day. And so it's just, it's a wild, interesting industry to be in when you start thinking about like some of the smallest, what the association right? yeah. is, that even the smell, I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. So. And kind of actually, so kind of going back to like the difference between Asians and Asian Americans is, it was interesting, Bobby, that you mentioned in Mexico, it wasn't a huge deal until America made it a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And I'm Japanese, so I'm going to speak within the Japanese community, but we fucking used 
we have weed naturally growing in our country. Right. Like it's, we used hemp to make our clothing, like um, the soldiers wore during the World War II. Like we, a lot of our Shinto um, kind of ceremonial ropes and things like that are made from hemp. We have these things naturally in our culture, but it was prohibited and outlawed by America. (laughs) America decided to come in and be like, yeah, America came in and was like, yo, um, so y'all are like doing really well with this hemp stuff. We don't like that. So we're going to outlaw it. Um, And that's really the only reason why Japanese people today have this idea that marijuana is exactly like, is exactly like crack. It's exactly like heroin. It's so bad and it's on that level of like hard synthetic drugs. America is going around just fucking shit up is what it is. That's my spiel. So, so speaking <laughs> of America, Chris, you want, <laughs> you, want, you want to talk, want to talk about being talk American? About, yeah, being a white American in this city. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Hold on, hold on. Let me get my hat on. No, wait. Too soon. Too late? Too soon. Um, but uh, to, with that, we do want this to be a completely balanced, you know, show. And so... Chris is white. I'm uh, I'm 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 only part white, but I'm the closest thing that's here that'll get on the podcast. That's true. So, that's, fair. Um, that's fair. No, actually, I'm half Swiss, which makes me super white. It's like full white at that point, regardless of what the other half is. The other half's Portuguese, which is like the whitest Hispanic you can mm-hmm. get. Uh, yeah, so it's I'm pretty close to that. So I'm not here to talk about any uh, disenfranchisement or anything, but mostly. You know, uh, to comment on some of the things that have been said and, and, and talk about, you know, the perspective of a healthy, young Caucasian male in the cannabis industry <laughs> and how that really plays out. I mean, really, Fabi, you know, you talked about the smell of, of cannabis being, you know, uh, it makes people think that, oh, no, somebody CDs around, somebody something mm-hmm. sketches going around. Mm-hmm. I used to actually like I'd wear a suit whenever I came to work every day. And I would stand downtown and a group of people, mind you, in Pioneer Square where they're doing tours and there's all kinds of people around during this time, pre-COVID, pre-crazy homeless crisis, all that. And I'd be standing there smoking a joint in my suit. And I guarantee you, everybody was looking around every single time. Nobody ever looked me dead in my eyes. And I was the one standing there smoking a joint. They were all looking for what I would assume is somebody that looked completely different than me smoking a joint. That's yeah. right. And I never got any trouble for it, never got confronted for it. It was it was nothing, which is ridiculous. I, I have intentionally tried to get a ticket for smoking <laughs> weed in public just to frame it to say, oh my gosh, it's now just a ticket. Yeah. You don't go to jail for this anymore. I've wanted to do that for years. And guess what? Me and two other people that match my complexion have tried to do it. None of us have gotten it. So take that against, you know, decades of you match a description or all of that. Yeah. It's 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 insane it's the up. difference that's actually there. Yeah. You know, whenever we look at things like privilege, it's you know, it's it's used a lot these days. But in the drug context, especially drug war, it is extremely appropriate. For sure. You know, Ken talked about the South and about how slow they are to go. It is because of the demographic, it is because of the laws they have in the books. And because that the entire South is disenfranchised from an in- industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're not even talking about skin color here. We're talking about a whole geographical area that's been cut out because of this. Yeah. That's insane. Whenever you think about a free and open market is what we're supposed to be, right? Yeah. You know, Mio. Oh my gosh, the opium. So yeah, the European super made opium in Asia, then flipped out about the Asians using it, and then said, look, they're all on drugs. So yeah. we've pretty much done this on, on behalf of all Caucasians to every single myriad of race that's out there i mean not even just specific races like sub races we've even gone after yeah. you know and, and and it's wild and i really think the drug war is one of the last 
few holdouts. Not mm-hmm. to say there isn't other terms of racism, sure. of course, but the drug war is fueling one of the last holdouts of, of like serious, deep racism. And, you know, when we look at social equity and things like that, it's, it's not that different. It just opens up a whole new pool of fish, right? right? right. For all the sharks. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's really all it does. And so you look at, I don't know, the disenfranchisement of literally any minority race when it comes to cannabis and it's there. Yeah. It's, it's, you can look that shit up on the internet. You can see it's there. There's no question about it. 100%. I would like to find five articles about how Caucasians were mistreated because of cannabis. <laughs> Damn, Gina. Well, I ain't got no money to give out to anybody that can find those, but I will give you a big ass Snickers, bro. But I mean, you know, this is, this is, this is real. I mean, this is real. I have personally, right? Like I personally benefit, you know, people come to me and trust me ahead of others. And honestly, I know it's because of my skin tone. Sure. And that's I mean, fucked you know, up. I mean, because they, they say. Big boobs, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's my ass. Really. It's, your, it's, your ass. it's that big booty. The definition, like it's been going around kind of, at least privilege isn't the idea that you don't struggle. Privilege right. is the idea that you don't have additional struggles because right. of your race. Right. And it's, and right. it's hard. It's you still hard. struggle, but you know, you don't, you, there's different. Oh yeah, I, didn't, I wasn't born them. rich. I, I was born broke as hell. Sure. I was born in right. sketchy ass neighborhoods where I woke up to gunshots. I saw a dude get stabbed to death when I was six. Sure. Like government subsidized housing all of the way. Yeah. My mother moved me to a place called Puyallup, <laughs> which is yeah, the antithesis God. of where I was. <laughs> And I tell you what, I stayed out of trouble because trouble wasn't around me. It didn't have anything to do with race or anything like that. It's just because all them hicks just went out and drank beer in the woods. And that's it. That's right. I didn't really like going out in the woods and drinking beer, so I stayed out of trouble. Yeah, but people really don't understand what privilege means. Like, they really do. And then what's funny to me is that people have not tried to use the same word, like, as privilege as, like, a way to say, like, now you're attacking me. Undeserving or something. It's like, what the fuck, bro? Yeah, you're the definition of fucking privilege. You know? You're trying to use it to say that you're being attacked. Like, fuck yeah. you, Karen. It's <laughs> wild. But, you know, but like I mentioned earlier, there's the social equity. The social equity word is being thrown around and thrown yeah. around and thrown around. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I was positive that these programs are going to be built out the way that we're expecting them to be built out. But to be quite frank with you, you know, Washington created started discussing the plan of doing a social equity for the cannabis licenses within the state and still discussing, still discussing. it was discussing. supposed to be solidified like in december of 2020 we all knew that was not going to happen yeah. and it didn't yeah so covid and supposedly covid and then it didn't right and so then they've continued on to have these discussions but you know the fucked up thing that i have discovered and i have seen having these discussions is that within this grand beautiful word of what is social equity and what makes all these people's fucking jerk off into the sink or some shit they're like i'm so excited for social equity this is the right this is the best thing what they're doing what they're really doing is pitting minorities against each other and which is the most fucking wildest thing it's modern day gladiator sports yes yeah 100 like damn bitch instead of actually using social equity and saying okay y'all are all affected it's like okay well who's affected more and so now you're coming from a space of scarcity instead of a space of abundance and that's what really causes a lot of conflict which is so fucked up because now 
I, I have to justify why Mexicans are more disenfranchised by marijuana than African Americans. So now me and Ken got to fight and figure out who's going to get this one license. Just so you know, that we're going to have that on our video podcast that's upcoming. <laughs> 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 we all get scrappy down here. We got so. a little scrappy. Oh, but it's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, no smoke. That's on the record, y'all. <laughs> But, but that's, that's another thing that that's that danger of what comes around with these, like creating these programs that are supposed to be helping the minority people um, in this industry. And it's not run by minority people in this industry, because I guarantee you um, any of the Latinos, any of the African-Americans, any of the Asian-Americans that are trying to get involved into this industry are not wanting to fight against each other. They all, everyone was coming in and saying, hey, great, this is a great opportunity for all of us to get something back from this community after so much was taken from us. And within this program, it's like, all right, well, it looks like the African-American people are really the ones that suffered more, are really the ones that need to get grander, faster reparations. And it's just, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's all made to create chaos. Ultimately, I don't think the social equity program is going to be as as this amazing program as I was at first really hopeful about um, because they're purposely doing things that are jeopardizing like the actual spirit of what does social equity mean. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I uh, absolutely agree with that in uh, the social equity uh, aspect of it and what they're trying to do. I mean, there's... Just when you look at it, there's a lot of uh, wiggle room and manipulation mm-hmm. that is in mm-hmm. there with how they define what a social equity applicant is. Mm-hmm. And so just even my initial research into it, I wouldn't qualify as That's a right. social equity applicant. I yeah. never lived in a disproportionately affected geographical region. I never mm-hmm. lived. I lived in the suburbs most sure. of my life. I didn't have necessarily... Uh, a family member who got a cannabis conviction. Sure. You know, I might have family members get other type of arrest, but I didn't have that. Right. So like where it kind of just stands. It's like a bingo. <laughs> right. But so where it kind of stands now is like Chris would be more apt to be a qualified social equity applicant than I would. That's and right. Because I, I never, I did. I don't meet the qualifications. Right. But was was I? Am I still affected by? The war on drugs, absolutely. Like, is things far more harder for me to get into the industry? Absolutely. And, you know, it's like, it's just unfortunate. I mean, it's literally, I mean, the way I see it is, it's like trying to quantify something that can't be quantified, right? So it's like we're trying to, like, list out these criteria for what deserves social equity, but there's no way to do that. There's just, it's so widespread. Like, the the effect of the war on drugs, it's so widespread and it's so like innately just ingrained in different communities where it's like people, like like you said, Ken, like you could live in the suburbs all your life but still be affected by the war on drugs. But the right. fact that they have, you know, one of the qualifications being that you have to live in a disproportionately affected area would disqualify you. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy because like that, I mean, 
I guess, the, I mean, I grew up in the country out in the farms in the boonies of eastern Washington. My bougie ass now lives in a real nice fucking part of your You know, but it's like, again, that doesn't mean I wasn't affected by it. Like, you're limiting these opportunities for people that have made it out of the Right, uh, of these right. Really I mean, it's, it's so extreme, right? It's like you're it's either so bottom of the barrel or yeah. you're the cream of the crop. Like, yeah. you gotta have, like, all the financing. You don't need social equity. <laughs> or you're bottom of the barrel. Like, you suffered all your life. You're still suffering. Right. You're still struggling. And that's the only people I'm gonna have. And then you don't like, have the money to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like this whole entire middle section where it's like, you know, I would like some <laughs> I'd like some love too is yeah. being completely yeah. left out. But don't you think that there may be an overarching not direct competition per se, but like at some point they want to get the most compelling story so then they can then traipse it out in front of people and go see look at the people we're helping 100%. through canvas. I mean that's look literally, at what we're doing. I mean it's yeah. literally And so they happens. want that super duper different disempoverished person to come in right. and I mean, that's totally like look at this person's story. Look at what we're helping. Yeah. And you're like that's they that's, just want to tokenize that's not good yeah. stuff, man. Yeah. I mean social equity is kind of akin to like affirmative action. It's like the intent is there. You're, you know, it's it helps a lot of people, but at the same time, people of color who get into college to more prestige colleges or whatever, a lot of them deal with the fact that, like, you know, white people would tell them, you only got in because you're black, you only got in because you're Asian, or you only mm-hmm. got in because you're Mexican. Like, yeah, affirmative action helps certain people, and it's definitely, the intent is there, but at the same time, it comes attached with all these things, it's like, they tokenize you, and then, like, school is like, look it. We're diverse. We are so diverse and we're so good. And they tokenize you. Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. not what, that's not a solution. Yeah. Right? So I think that I think the programs, these so so called social equity programs that are being built out or discussed, like they have a lot of growth to do. Again, I think we're a step in the right direction, but I I really don't know where they're gonna land, how truly helpful they will be. And so I, I do wanna I feel like I'm, I want to make this point before we get too far deep <laughs> and just because we've been talking about man you know all these minorities got discriminated against and man, they need to get into the game but i think also aspect of it is it's like why besides discrimination should we be afforded this opportunity and one of them is i think culturally mm-hmm. i feel like nobody ward on on their shoulders more than like Cheech and Chong and mm-hmm. those, sure. those two said despite of the, of the stereotypes and how you feel about cannabis and despite how you feel about cannabis in the hands of a minority, I'm going to wear it, I'm going to smoke it, I'm going to talk about it, I'm mm-hmm. going to put mm-hmm. it out there constantly yeah. because I know despite what you may feel about it, what this drug, what this plant can do and why you shouldn't fear it. Right. And so when I look at it, I think just like hip hop, man, nobody nobody talked about weed more than that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. No, nobody smoked You ain't got no J pop talk about weed, yo. Yeah. 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 Let me just let me be real. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't exist. That doesn't happen. No, but but you're right, you know, because I had a friend who, who doesn't smoke and I was just like, Oh, I was I was talking to him about being in and weed, he's like, Oh my god, Jay Z just started up his own his own weed line or his own weed brand and I was like a, old news. But B, <laughs> bitch, do you know how many other people are in this industry that are actually passionate about this industry, not just another nugget of like, 
Uh, I just want to get into it because it's a lot of cool. Like, do you know how many people are, are actually really good but tenders and have these amazing strains? Like, do you know any more than oh, Jay-Z is now investing in cannabis? Get the fuck out of here. It's like, it's so much more, it's so ingrained in hip-hop and and those cultures. So, yeah, it is. It is. That's a big um, topic of conversation to be had where I think a lot of people are just kind of on a, on a superficial basis like, oh, it's cool now because Jay-Z... So I was like, yo, honey, I'm sorry, but Jay-Z has been talking for a really Jay-Z used to sell crack. <laughs> yeah, like, like, yeah, um, sorry, that's where he started. His empire started there. I'm pretty yes. sure he smoked weed once or twice. Yes. Yeah. Maybe just, so, maybe, maybe just once. Yeah. <laughs> just once. He tried. Well, he didn't hit. I'm selling crack. <laughs> so, yeah. So, no, I 100% agree. And it's, it again, cannabis is just one of the most interesting, crazy-ass motherfucking industries I have ever been a part of. And... So here we are. But all right. I mean, so y'all, y'all now know in the beginning why I said this is a whopper episode. Like yeah. this is that was point number one, y'all. Like we dabbled kind of into like our other shit, our other points that we are going to talk about. Oh, we didn't here. even get. No, we haven't even wow. gotten into what we're number two. What is social equity? <laughs> y'all been listening about. to it now. Yeah, we've been talking about it for the last fucking what half hour. Now you're excited. It's been a, it's been a fucking minute. But let me just take it, roll it back. We're gonna roll it back. Everyone, social equity. What is it? <laughs> what, is? what is social equity? What is social equity? So social equity, I mean, I'm going to take a first stab at it. Social equity is the idea that the industry and the regulators that, you know, that do, for lack of a better word, regulate the industry, <laughs> want to somehow um, give reparations for the war on drugs. That's the intent. That's usually the mission statement that's used in every social equity program that you see out there right now is that, you know what, there are certain communities that were disproportionately affected by the war on drugs, and so we have the social equity program to try and um, make up for those harsh consequences. That being said, social equity in California is not the best. LA specifically, so I work out of LA, right? LA specifically is dealing with an entire shit show of the social equity program. They have, they will have three tiers, but really two that um, mean anything. And each of those, kind of like what Ken said, each of those requires certain things that may not translate across all the people that could benefit from it. I mean, that's kind of the, at least the general idea of what social equity is. Um, in California, it's city specific, so there's no statewide social equity program. It's really depending on the city and if they want to participate in something like that. Um, LA has one, I know for sure. I mean, obviously, I don't know every fucking city in California and whether they have one, but um, <laughs> LA has one, SF has one. Those are kind of the bigger ones that I know of. Other cities, other smaller ones do have, they claim to have one, but it's really not, it's, eh, it's kind of just like, we'll maybe waive some of your fees type of thing, so. That's the extent of our social equity program is what it is. That's kind of what it is, at least in the way that I understand it. If anybody else wants to add anything to what social equity is, what I agree. That's I mean, again, I, I, I just have this small experience of dealing with the social equity program that's being pushed through Washington State. And again, it was supposed to be finalized and we were supposed to have applications ready to go for anybody that was interested back in December. 
Um, there is still a social equity conversation being had right now with, through different participation. They're doing a lot of Zoom meetings and they're all trying to really figure out how to really implement this, the best way to implement this. Um, and I think they have a really long way to go before it, it's an actual sustainable, actual equitable program um, geared towards what is social equity um, within the cannabis industry. So I don't know how, when, soon is that situation going to, you know, clear up and, and for all of us to have a clear answer, like, okay, this is what they're doing for um, the minorities in the state trying to get to the cannabis industry. I, I don't know. I can't tell you. And I, I mean, from from the, from the California standpoint, or at least I don't think that's a terrible way to go to, to be cautious about how you're implementing it. Because like we talked about, it has vast consequences depending on how you do it, right? And I've seen it be a shit show in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. It is a shit show. It's still a shit show. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be fucking... I'm gonna be fucking real with y'all. It's a shit show in Los Angeles. Like they tout this like really robust social equity program, but they're still having problems with licensing and the fucking first round of licensing that they tried to do. They're having. I mean, I get calls um, pretty frequently from people who are like, "Hey, like I um, want to invest in this person that may or that's you know a really good candidate for a license um, and because they're a part of the social equity program, and I want to do this, this, and that." And I say, sorry, you can't do that. So the social equity program in LA has certain requirements about ownership, profits, voting rights of the company that really deters um, investors from investing. Again, so that's capitalistic societies trying to social equity, like what Ken said. You're trying to make them play nice, and it's it doesn't work that way right now. Yeah, that's capitalism at its finest. All right, y'all. So it looks like we had a really fucking long ass conversation. Come back for part two, where we're gonna be discussing some actual examples of what is social equity, um, and then kind of what our optimistic the take on equity. the future of what is social equity. So come back for um, part two of the segments. Um, in the meantime, you know where to find us. You can find me on. Um, Instagram at Fabi at Cultiva Law. Or follow us on Facebook as well, Cultiva Law. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Neo at Cultiva Law as well. So we'll be back soon, y'all. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye. 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 <laughs>